Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Thanks so much for joining us. Chris Rooney, Andy Prasky are in studio on this warm Saturday in the middle of July. Don't worry, Denny Long is back next Saturday morning. Denny taking a couple of weeks off. Denny returns next week. So I'm I'm just here one more day. You need to put up with me one more day, guys. (laughs) We like you. That's good. We like you, but that that whole... Beginning show promo is always uh, it's kind of tricky. We usually Andy's usually going so to get a cup of coffee. coffee by the time like, it starts. It used to take like two hours. <laughs> yeah. he, he was wandering off. Literally. I know he was. <laughs> I'm like Andy, remember the promo? He's like, I'm oh. like running to the microphone here. Sorry. Now you have a number of texts you want to get to, and we should yeah. throw open the phone lines. Uh, and it's easy now. We have a phone line and a text line. Same number six five one nine eight nine. 9226. If you want to talk all things real estate with Chris and Andy, 651-989-9226. Now, I want to bring something up to you guys. Yeah. Here it is, middle of July. Uh, people are on vacation, taking time off. It's hot. Are, are people looking at homes right now? It's a great thing. Historically, no. <laughs> I mean, over the time, yeah. it, you, this is typically the time that it kind of slows down. Um, I think this year has been different than most yeah. years because it started late. So we had people um, actually sure. looking. And usually, I mean, truly, it just stops almost. Yeah. You know, because there's so many things that happen uh, before and after the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. And that's when people take vacations and kind of get out of town. And then it's usually kind of really kind of July kind of lags. Then all yeah. of a sudden, then August, towards the end of August, getting closer to school, it starts going again. Yeah, Chris and I used to jokingly say that, you know, January was a great time to take vacations, you know. Yeah. And then now this time of July is usually July, August part is a great time too. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, you know, my group, um, there's, what is there, 14 of us on our team here. And we uh, traditionally will do open houses on Thursday nights. And this time of the year, half of us will see nobody at the open and then the other half of us will see somebody or one or two people. I actually had an open this last weekend and uh, I was uh, or Thursday, excuse me, in a million dollar plus home and uh, sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm not going to see anybody. You know, everybody's going to be busy. And we actually had a couple come through and we had one that called at 615 saying, oh, we missed the open. We're going to come through later. What I do like, though, you know, is that you get that buyer that's out there right now is a serious buyer. So there's fewer of them, but the ones that are out there, they're serious. Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, you said you were at a million plus home and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of those people don't want open houses. No, and they that's, don't want it because they're unusual. like, oh, the mm-hmm. neighbors will come through and, you know, uh, you're just going to get lookers and people want to see it. And that's not the case. No, I'm telling you, I do a lot of open houses in that, that price point. Uh-huh. And if you kind of think about the psychology of a buyer. You know, so let's just say I'm a buyer and I call Andy up and say, hey, Andy, I was wondering if you could show me this million and a half dollar home. Mm-hmm. Well, Andy's going to attack, you know, and stay on you and show you everything. And I mean, not just Andy, but a, a realtor typically. Right. And so what this does is this gives them a way in which to be able to go in there, check it out, see if they even like it. And then they'll go call Andy and say, hey, Andy, that I like it. And I'll tell you, we've had a ton of success with that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, is it's not a bad thing to let your neighbor see your house. I don't I on open houses. I people say, "Oh, they're just lookers." I said, "Yeah, but there's nobody more invested than you 
to get you the highest amount of money. So let me give you an example, Chris. So on my last home that I own personally down in Brooklyn Park, we had a block party we're getting together. And, and of course, I'm kind of the jokester I was. And I said, oh, yeah, hey, guys, good news. I can take my, you know, it was a split entry. It was the first house I owned. And I go, we're going to we're gonna put another garage in there. Side. We're going to turn it into a duplex. And I said, we got all this. You know, I was kind of joking with them. And they're like, you can get that done here? And I said, no, I'm just teasing you. I said, but if one of you guys wants to buy it, I said, I'll gladly sell it to you instead of making it into this ridiculous rental deal. Yeah. <laughs> and they and looks at me, Jay across the street goes, I'd love to look at your house. I really like your yard. I sold my house to my neighbor. We listed their house, sold it at I an scared, open house. I scaring her. No, oh, no, just no. no. Just <laughs> but I would assume, though, if the neighbors come through, they may have a relative or a friend that's looking to join the neighborhood, they're, whatever. I mean, yeah, you, you never it. know. You're, it's all you need is one buyer. Well, they're yep. your biggest fans because they yep. want to see you succeed. If if you succeed, you in, in, indirectly help them. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing that happens is that uh, I, I tell people is let's just say you're one of those that's kind of private and didn't really kind of hang out with your neighbors and they mm-hmm. didn't get to get in the house and stuff like that. But when people go look at your house, yeah. then they start stalking the neighborhood and going around. And then all of a sudden they're driving slow and they see someone walking a dog and they say, hey, what do you know about that house? Yeah. It, and if you don't know nothing, but if you do, oh, my gosh, you should see their theater room. It's unbelievable. And what a great location. Gosh, we love this neighborhood. Yeah, and, guys, I was going to follow up on on that. And then I don't know how many of these deals you've done. But say, for instance, you know, and there, there's a couple of people that have come up to me that I know and are friendly. Say, if you guys ever think of selling, I'm interested. Yeah. I mean, do you help people with deals like that where there's never a sign in the yard where it's, Never hitting the open market, if you will, where where you get involved and kind of work a deal where, hey, I know someone, they talked to me and said, hey, if you're ever thinking of moving on, we'd like the house. For sure. No, I I hear that with neighbors all the time, you know, and it's it's where, especially if they they want to expand or maybe they want to add that pool or that, you know, sport or whatever. I mean, you're in an unusual situation there where you have where you're on waterfront, right? So. And, and and so people do want the water, and it doesn't matter as much about the house because most people will adapt to the house because they want the lot, right? So mm. we see that quite frequently. In other cases with acreage, I see that where people have horses or they want to put another barn up or they need the acreage to have one more horse. And so that we see that as well where neighbors will ask. Yeah, when you had that, when you said that, Tom's was – we had we just had a townhouse that went on the market, uh, really hot one, really good one, super location, um, and uh, we ended up having four offers on it. Obviously, three people lost out. Two of those people went and started knocking on doors yeah. and just saying, hey, yeah. you know what? If you guys are ever thinking of selling – because they found this little pocket of these mm-hmm. amazing townhomes and they wanted it. you yeah. know. And so yep. now the pe- those people are getting solicited. I said, don't forget Chris Rooney. Well, you know, I should tell, I'll tell you one of my quick little marketing techniques we use. We actually have a couple college kids that will go knock on doors for us in the neighborhood talking about, you know, promoting within the neighborhood. And these college kids go door to door and they say, hey, you know, down the street we have uh, you know, Mr. Pratt. He's doing this open house down the street on Thursday at 1 o'clock or whatever it is. We wanted to invite you so you could help us pick your next neighbor. And then the kid, of course, wears their, their jersey or whatever, so the golfers or whatever. And, and then the people say, and he says, well, make sure that you mention that, you know, Billy here sent you because he gives us $20 towards our tuition. <laughs> it works out yeah. great. Yeah. People come just to support the kids, you know. Yeah. So all of a sudden, we've got 15 people coming to an open house that normally wouldn't come, but they, or with the other, the other hook we get them with too is we'll do the donuts and beer party, which is the biggest success, 
you go from 11 to 1. So you want donuts over here, beers over here. And it's kind of funny because that is a complete conversation starter, which also gets people in the door. So That was a big thing at graduation parties this year. Yeah. The donut walls and stuff. Did you see that? Where they, yes. they put like the pegs up and they put all the donuts on the pegs and you just go grab one off. That's pretty cool. I, like I thought I was dreaming when I saw I, that. I, yeah, I like that <laughs> idea. Count me in. You, we do white castles for you, Steve. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah the I'm white in. castle rings and the... By the way, our phone number is 651-989-9226. Send your text there as well, 651-989-9226. Chris and Andy in studio today. We go to the phones. Bill and Lakeville, you're on the air with the guys. Yeah, this is kind of a futures question. Uh, with the baby boomers being, uh, you, you know, obviously uh, they're getting older, what what do you think the home for the uh, the prices of these things are going to do when that, when that generation? There's not, it seems like there's not a enough people that are going to replace that generation. You think the values are going to drop? I'll just hang up and listen. Thanks. That's a great question. I hope yeah. not. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. I think people are living longer too. So I think, right. uh, you know, your your groups are going to extend longer. And I think people are, um, I don't know, staying healthier longer. Yep. You know, and I think they're trying to stay in homes a lot longer. So I, I don't see that. I think there's still a, a, a demand out there. And I'll tell yep. you what, when the – when the big uh, national companies come in and they're building and they're building, you know, and getting stuff done, mm-hmm. they do extensive research on that kind of stuff, you know, into what an area can handle and if it can handle it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, obviously they were wrong um, back in 2006, but. Uh, well, you know, look at all the nursing homes that are being built or all of the assisted livings. And I think that's a legitimate question, too. And you look at the cost of that. And now I'm seeing a lot of people. They're saying, my goodness, I can't afford to spend, you know, eight, twelve thousand dollars a month. I'll be broke in a couple months. And so they're living in their existing homes longer. They're staying longer, which I think keeps people youthful and as long as they're safe. And um, but there's to answer the long story short, I think there's a lot of youth coming up right now. And I don't remember if it's a Gen Z coming up or if it's the millennials. But one of them is the equivalent size or close to the same size as the baby boomer generation almost in, in population. All right, we've got a quick break. Uh, Chris and Andy in studio. Chris Rooney, Andy Prasky. It is the Real Estate Show. By the way, if you want to call the show, 651-989-9226. Same deal if you want to text, 651-989-9226. And we'll get to those texts in a moment here on the CCO. Welcome back. It is the Real Estate Show. Saturday is between 10 and 11. Andy Prasky, Chris Rooney in studio today. Always great to see the guys. By the way, Denny Long will return next Saturday here on CCO. He's been off for a couple of weeks. Here are the numbers again, 651-989-9226. That's good for phone calls and texts. And keep that handy. That's good for all our programs here on CCO. Yeah, they're flying in. Holy yeah, moly. I mean, we, yeah. we, we've got a ton of them uh, here on the program today. Um, how does it work when an office has several brokers uh, who represents which agent? How, how okay. does that work? That's, that's mm. interesting. I mean, I don't; those words n- might not be right, but typically, I mean, whoever works at that office, there's a broker. So okay. in ours, it's Remax Preferred. Um, so there's a broker that has all those agents underneath them, just like Remax Advantage Plus. I look at a broker as being, they use the example of having an umbrella, and then all the agents that are underneath that same umbrella. If you're doing transactions, it's dual agency underneath there. But it's it comes down to I think maybe the question is like like for example, Remax is is kind of like a, a franchise. You can go buy a Remax franchise, just like you can buy a McDonald's or a Subway, and then you open up your own shop. 
there are brokers in town here, including mine and Chris's here, where you know we actually have multiple locations. So there's it's the same brokerage. It's Remax Advantage Plus or Remax Preferred. They have multiple offices. Each office has its own broker of call, and then um, but so like with Remax, my goodness, there's I don't even remember how many franchisees or how many individual offices are in the Twin Cities, but there's quite a few. Yeah, no idea. But anyways, if if Andy is another agent in Andy's office, which you guys have over 400 agents, yep. they might be from Coon Rapids and the other one's from Blaine. And if they represent a client together, it becomes dual agency. Mm-hmm. Where So that brokerage is the one that represents those clients and the agents are just doing the work for them. So it's interesting. So, if, But if it was Remax Preferred and Remax Advantage Plus, even though we're both Remax, we're different companies, I would represent my client and you would represent yours. Yep, different and it umbrellas. wouldn't be dual agency. So. Sa- similar name, um, but different umbrellas. All right. I'm glad you guys brought uh, your crystal ball in today. <laughs> that, that, always, it's, yep. it's always it's, cool. It's heavy, but it's yeah, – Yeah, I mean it's worth it. You, br- you bring it in. You've got a card. It's really cool. It, it fits on the elevator. Uh, what do you think the housing market will do as we head to fall and into 2020? What are their trends? Yeah, and I think he said on the fence about selling yeah. because he's due to inventory um, to buy. And I think that's, uh, I mean, that is, that's a problem with a lot of p- people right now um, in different price segments. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely bullish. I think we're going to. Yep. We're going to keep going. It's not uh, – uh, I don't see things that are like saying, hey, we're, we're in trouble at all. I mean they still have loans that you still have to have a heartbeat in which to be able to get, which mm-hmm. is nice. Or don't just have to have a heartbeat in which to get. you got to qualify for stuff. And I think that's where the problem was. You know, It just got to a point that anyone and everyone was buying and they were just grabbing it for anything they could because there was really no um, – you know, negative part to it. They just, hey, we're going to get it. We're going to sell it later because we're right. going to make money. Then everything fell apart. Well, and I think, too, you know, use uh, common sense because, you know, when you're buying in different price buckets, you know, Chris, you and I have talked about this. If you're buying a, a five or $6 million house, for example, you're getting into a very specific niche market where sometimes you don't come back with all the money that you put in, but you're making that lifestyle choice. On the other hand, if you're in a $300,000, three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage house in a nice suburb, you're going to be just fine. And those those neighborhoods are always the ones that seem to heat up the most or the quickest back after a recovery, too. So it's a pretty safe bet. I, I, quick follow-up on that, guys. Is there a sector that's super, super tight? Is it is it maybe the, the starter home market? You know, I, I think about my oldest daughter. She's settled into a career. She's mm-hmm. getting uh, moving toward her late 20s. I, I'm thinking, wow. You know, is there stuff out there for her to reasonably get into right now? Uh, firsthand, I've, you know, <laughs> just like Bill with, uh, from Lakeville there, he was asking about that, you know, the, the empty nester, baby boomer kind of thing. Sure. That is, that seems to be the hardest. When somebody says to me, I want a zero threshold, meaning I can roll a wheelchair in if I want to right from the garage and having the wider doors and the ha- handicapped accessibility so I can get old in the house, right? That yeah, one, one level, one level living. Yeah, yeah, one level living is probably where I see the most demand under three fifty. Um, you start getting up in the five six hundred thousand. There's lots of it available that's out there, but it's under that three fifty, which is the you know the normal. Yeah, but in, in your daughter's case, I mean, anything under three hundred thousand is, I mean, is like hard. gold, and it's hard to get. Yeah. Um, and I think when you when you do that, and when you're going into that market, you really got to make sure all your. I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. You know, from a financing perspective, how much money you're putting down, try to get money for your own closing costs and not bring that in because mm-hmm. there's a lot of appraisal issues in that price range. And, uh, yep. you know, you can win a deal by um, just being able to structure your loan the right way, mm-hmm. you know. 
Well, no, it's true. I think that, you know, everybody that gets in that price range, you miss a couple deals and then you get frustrated and you're like, you get to the point of where you're like a cat ready to pounce and something hits the mark and everybody pounces on it. And then that's where you start seeing the bidding wars happening. And then the appraisals aren't catching up with the bidding wars. And that's where we see some challenges. Yeah. From our text line at 651-989-9226, it is a real estate show. Are realtors also qualified to sell commercial real estate? Like, for example, Chris and Andy wanted to start a candy store and, and buy the building. <laughs> Could you guys do that? Can we do that as realtors? Yes. Uh, absolutely. Uh, deal with commercial real estate, and uh, and we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not so sure about the candy store. What do you think? <laughs> I need all my profits. Yeah. You, you had a candy story from high school I remember you talking I about. I was the candy man. He <laughs> was the candy man. So it was real candy. I used to actually sell candy in yeah. school. I had a, a ski trip I saved up for for three years. But, but <laughs> so a, the candy store might happen. But but someone could come to you and say, hey, I want to sell this building. You could help them out. Com- Absolutely. Not only commercial, but they also can sell businesses. There's a lot of different things that real estate agents can do. And, and most people that they're so vastly different. I mean, between residential real estate, commercial real estate. And then when you get into commercial, is it retail? Is it warehouse? Is it office space? Is it new construction? Is it, you know, there's so many segments that what we a lot of times will do is we'll actually find what the need is. And if we can't handle it, we actually have a referral partner that we bring you to that we trust that will make or sure they get the up job. with them or partner right. up with them. Yeah. yeah. Um, here, here's a good one. Uh, don't understand mortgage rates from our text line. A locked a rate 30 days ago, close in two weeks. Rates seem to have dropped, but I was told I can't change my locked rate. Mm-hmm. What gives? What's going on? What gives? Love it. You made a commitment, and what the the mortgage company did is then also made a commitment to who they were selling the loan to. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to get out of that and then get back into it, I mean, sometimes you can, but it usually costs you money in which to be able to do it. I've had a couple people give me examples of it's it's like a stock. When you decide to sell it, somebody else is buying it at that price, and it's already gone. Or I've had the old analogy of it's a conveyor belt, and when you ask for the money at that time, they grab it off the conveyor belt, and that opportunity is already gone. So once you lock, ultimately you're committing to the terms of that loan, and so that's when you're really locking in. Some companies that are out there have what they call a float down. So like when you're building a new house, they'll allow you to float down one time in that, you know, let's say 150-day window or whatever it is. And so in that case, they probably charge just a titch more for that loan, but they say they don't, but they probably do because it does cost them money to put the money. You think about it. They have to put that money back on the shelf or the conveyor belt, and they have to borrow from somebody else at that rate. And and I would assume as quickly as a lot of these deals come together, you you have to do that. I mean, Mm -hmm. you've got to have your ducks in a row, so to speak. Yeah, and I'll tell you, some people wait and wait and wait to lock in, and then the opposite happens, and then it gets too high. So on the purchase agreement, it also states – whether or not when the buyers has uh, when they have to lock in. So if there's certain rates or something, or it's like, hey, you can lock in any time, but if it exceeds this rate, you can unqualify yourself. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's better to be safe than well, sorry. Well, sometimes though too, you know, the the rates aren't always what you should look at. You should look at the payment too. So if, for an example, let's say that that rate went down, which you're going to sit there and, and think about and think about and think about. Well. What if it made a $13 difference on your payment, and then at, now that new loan that you have at that lower rate has to have a different kind of insurance, which costs more, so now the payment goes up $20 a month to cover the 13 and you can get to a point of where it's not always a better deal is what I'm trying to say. And so sometimes um, there are cases of where I've seen the client completely retract back and say, we're starting over, because the cost of that loan to unlock it is worth the savings that they've experienced with the rate dropping. Uh, we're going to add a weather break coming up, but let's go to a call. Uh, Jag here on the air with Chris and Andy here on the Real Estate Show.
Hi, thanks for taking my call. Hey, I had a question. Uh, my daughter's a first-time home buyer, or potentially. Um, she's struggling because of her uh, her price point and her budget um, to find a, a townhouse without hitting that, you know, multiple offer sort of scenario. She's um, been outbid now um, uh, three times, and the fourth time we're supposed to close next Friday, and the appraisal came in $4,000 less than what um, she had offered. And she just can't come up with that extra $4,000 at this time. So it looks like this one will fall through as well. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything she can do to better her situation um, so that, you know, she she can be, you know, one of those? Did, top- let me ask you a question, Jackie. Did she um, make an offer with the seller paying the closing costs for her? No, she did not. Okay, so that didn't affect the appraisal at least. Okay, no, so she just no, bid it up to a point that she won. And now it won't appraise for that. And sometimes what happens is that the market doesn't catch up to really what's happening. So there's other ones. The other three she lost probably all went for over full price, but they haven't closed yet. So they can't justify this one. So it's a, it is, it's a, it's a wicked uh, little web that it falls into. But the only, the other part is, is that you, I mean, sometimes with the appraisal, you know, we, we try to cover that at the beginning from a listing agent mm-hmm. and just say, you know what, you, do you have the money to be able to cover it? Because right. it, using the appraisal to kind of renegotiate is just a – it just it, – it doesn't work because what it does, it, it hurts the seller too because the seller now after two months has to put it back on the market. Right. So I think from a listing agent that's really doing their due, due diligence is really trying to sa- save that from happening mm-hmm. at the very beginning. Well, and you know uh, – and I don't know if Jackie's still on the phone, but it, it would – is she on the phone still? She is still. Hey, yeah, Jackie, she's still is, was that an FHA loan or was that a conventional loan that your daughter has? It's a conventional. So conventional, a lot of times. Now, here's let me. I'll help you out a little bit. You can go back to the seller and say um, we're willing to look at getting a new lender or order another appraisal. That can be done as well. If you guys think that that appraisal was low, you can also dispute the appraisal. So you can go back and actually, if you can provide better comps, your real estate agent that helped you can produce better comparables and might be able to get what they call an adjustment done on the appraisal. If they can't, I as a selling agent have asked other people to actually order a new appraisal or get a new lender. And you say, oh my gosh, that sounds horrible. Yeah, but the next guy or gal comes along and they can get the job done for you at the terms that you're okay with. Well, then that works for everybody. And another way to maybe bridge the gap is, I mean, if it's conventional financing and you're paying your own closing costs, Mm -hmm. is to take just a little higher interest rate. And that'll pay for those closing costs, and you can maybe use that money to buy down that, um, buy it down a little. Now, there's percentages off certain sale prices that mm-hmm. we have to deal with, but it might be enough to be able to kind of get that seller thinking, you know what, I'm probably not going to get this money. I'm not going to probably get this anyways. Let's try to negotiate. Yep. But I think when people throw it on and say, hey, it's 4000 less, we can't do it, but try. I mean, go back and say, you know what, we really want it. And for a seller to take it off the market, put it back on, and start all over again, mm-hmm. I mean, that's there's worth some money. They probably planned well, on when house, they're moving. Another house payment in there for yeah, them, and yeah. you know, and, the and so going back and just trying to maybe negotiate, and you know, maybe there's a, a a gift or something that you can get in the meantime. But. Yeah, I've seen four grand get forgiven pretty easy. Or you have where they'll say, let's split it, you know, or whatever. That just happened to us last week too. We had a ten thousand dollar gap. And we had a very generous buyer and a very generous seller that both said, you know what, let's come together and make this work for both of us. Let's do the fair thing and split it. 
get a deal done. All right, we've got more on the Real Estate Show. Chris Rooney and Andy Prasky in studio. It's an open phone show. We invite your calls. We've had some good ones already, 651-989-9226. You can send your text. We've had a lot of those as well, 651-989-9226 here on CCO. It is the Real Estate Show. Andy Prasky and Chris Rooney are in studio today, and that happens each and every Saturday between 10 and 11. Denny Long, by the way, will return next week here on the program. Here's the number, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. Send your text there as well. We've had a lot of texts today, and we have some phone lines open at 651 651- Nine eight nine nine two two six. If you want to talk all things real estate with the guys, uh, let's go to the uh, text line again. How willing is a builder to negotiate with a buyer on approximately one year old model home? Mm. Good question. Good question. Um, and I think it depends. You know, and I think what you got to do first of all, I'm, I'm not afraid to kind of negotiate, but maybe how you negotiate might uh-huh. be a better way in which to do it, and. Maybe you start out with dollars, but then go to getting things done. Yeah. You know, so maybe because you got to remember a deck, you know, what it's going to cost you to put a $20,000 deck on is probably going to cost the builder 15000 to do it. Or 10 yeah. In 10 or whatever. And they're going to be able to save money um, mm-hmm. in, in, to, to do it that way. And so maybe getting things done or getting landscaping done, you know, they yep. can stomach that sometimes a little better than just kind of losing out. But I think, Andy, you also have to look at what's happening in that development. Yeah. I mean, if things are selling out and maybe they want to move, I mean, if things are selling and they want to move to another uh, model, mm-hmm. I think they're sometimes more likely to maybe move that or they're the opposite and say, you know what, we're keeping the integrity of all the values in here. Yeah. It, there's one other quick little way to look at that. So there's builders that build what they call spec homes, which are speculate, you know, they're guessing here's a house that's going to be in demand. It's going to be for sale. Somebody will buy it right away. A spec home is a little different than a model home. A model home for me is something that we stage, we decorate. We use as an actual example of what the builder can do. There's all of our equipment is there. So it's actually more of an office than it really is a, is a for sale item, even though it is technically for sale. And, yes, it's technically listed. So when we actually decide that, hey, we're going to move models or we're going to change what we're you know displaying, then we'll put that model up for sale. And it might even be sitting there for two years. So at that point, what the advantage is, Chris, is this. Also, you're sitting there. This is at 2017 pricing. Now, people don't know what I'm saying when I'm – Every year, builders have to go through and renegotiate with all their subs. Prices go up over the years. So unless that model's been going up in price over the years to keep up with the inflation and the cost of replacement, a lot of times model homes represent a fantastic opportunity to get all the options that they're not a lot of times even collecting because a lot of the vendors like countertop people or cabinet people might put extra you know, soft-closed drawers and they might put upgraded countertops in there, and you're getting it for two-year-old pricing. So you may not even have to worry about negotiating. It might just be a fantastic deal as it sits. But definitely do your homework. On the other hand, a model, a spec home that's been sitting there, the yard isn't mowed, the grass, you know, or whatever, and it's just sitting there and it looks like it's an actual nuisance for somebody, that might be an opportunity to go in there and ask for uh, a deal. Yeah, and I, I want to follow up on that a little bit You know, when it comes to deals. Are, are we still in a spot? Because over the years, I've always been willing to buy fixer-uppers. Mm-hmm. My wife and I have always been willing to look by the uh, shag carpeting and the <laughs> orange walls and uh, the, the bad Formica counter. I mean, we've been willing to do that. Is it still a marketplace where most people want it turnkey? 100%. Yeah, and I'll yeah. tell you, that's what, I mean, We when we're listing houses, we're always trying to get our sellers in that position because that's the most buyers. 
people like you are unusual in a sense that not well, that you're willing to accept it. I don't, but that you're, but you're able to look yeah. past it. Because yeah. a lot of people can't look yeah. past it, and if you have that uh, ability, you do you get better deals. But I think the other thing people should do mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, we're talking about some of these um, price points that are like multiple offers and doing that is really look at the 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 price points that have maybe a glut in it mm-hmm. and go after that. That's where you're going to get your big deals. And I'm telling you what, those price changes flip around right. all the time, right. and it's kind of like, hey, between seven and nine hundred, there's a real glut. Let's try to make a deal with someone and get a great deal, and maybe that's that eight fifty house we're going to get for seven sixty. Mm-hmm. You know, in a couple months, it might be worth eight fifty back again because yeah. now the other ones finally went that, that price segment did, and now there's not much in it. Now you got a great deal. Well, and you know, Steve, we were talking during the break. So you buy a fixer upper nowadays, unless you're the one that's going to be doing all the work. Good luck finding a subcontractor yeah. that can come help you. I mean, right now I've been waiting for a month and a half to get a tile guy that'll show up and actually, you know, no offense to the tile guys, they're all so busy, they're in demand that they're out two, three, six weeks at a time, and then you know life happens, and all of a sudden they have to postpone you another two weeks. It's miserable right now trying to find people to perform work on your houses, and those that are listening are nodding their heads because even just the the getting your deck restained or whatever, it's a it's a it's a chore. So unless it's new construction where they have those people lined up on a on a, a list, a sworn statement ready to go. A lot of times the remodeling projects right now are virtually almost impossible to get done timely. From our text line, where does Zillow get their information and how accurate is it? Can you rely on it? Oh, boy. We're going to hear Andy Zillow. go off on this one. No, I'm not going to go off on it because with their accurate information, now they're buying houses too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, just jo- I'm, I'm not I trying to make fun of it. I jokingly say that because they use algorithms, they use county records, they use sale records, and they do the best they can from a computer level of absorbing what's out there. But so they don't go inside your house. They don't look at the view. They yeah. don't look at the it's condition of the home. all based on what's happened around you. It's all based on everybody being the same and not everybody is the same. You know, quality or, you know, just like look at, look at the builders. You can have two builders with a 3,000 square foot house and one's 150,000 more than the other. And, and the, the one that's 150,000 more might be a good deal because of what they put in the home. So that's that's where I struggle with that. I but, tell people when we're listening, it, if Zillow says your price is lower, then we have to try to justify it against it. If it says it's higher, it's only going to help us. But why do they? Because <laughs> consumers go to Zillow because they it's not a real estate agent. I think you know. See, that's the they're looking for information without having a real estate agent in the is. front end. So they're doing their research. Yeah. But now they've become the real estate agent. Zillow yeah. is a real estate agent. They they buy houses. Well, they're selling they're doing, off leads all the time. So I mean, I can't yeah. tell you how many times that I've gone to. Uh, one of my properties that an agent comes to show it, never met that buyer before. Yeah. They think they're meeting with the listing agent. You know, right. we're, tr- we're, you know, trying to get our house sold and mm-hmm. they, you know, get the lead sent to someone else. And so you're not getting the listing agent if that's what you want. Well, and I, I can't believe, I mean, it's just a really interesting business model and I'm not making fun of it. I just don't really understand Very it. Very successful too, though. <laughs> no, but they, where they were successful was they earned the trust of everybody by not being the sales guy. And now they just became the sales guy. So I don't know how that's going to work out for them. Hopefully, you know, they, everybody does okay. But, I mean, it's just different. How can I prevent my mortgage from being sold to a bank that I don't care for? <laughs> I don't like those guys. I think the only, the only way you can do that is uh, if, find a company that actually services all their loans. And services 100% of them because Who's otherwise – There's not many. There's not – I mean, but, uh, you know, there's – I mean, there is out there, but it's it's one of those things that that what what you got to ask because mm-hmm. I mean, loans get sold and they don't say, you know what, I'm not going to sell Mr. Thompson's loan to this one particular company. Right. He, they put his loan in with 
five thousand other ones and then sell them all together. And so they, they don't they don't do that. And they do that to replenish their cash because they do have a limited amount of deposits. So I mean, there are the portfolio loans they call it, where you know that they're actually going into the the vault and they're grabbing that money out of their vault and giving it to you to to borrow. But very few mortgages are done that way. Mortgages are usually they they broker the deal. And the, the the bank makes their money off of servicing the payments where they take a cut of a cut and that's how they make their money. And somebody else, they use somebody else's money so that they can have more money to go out and lend again. And, and I thought it was just me and they, they didn't like me and that's why they <laughs> sold the mortgage. I thought, well, I've been making my payments. My, my credit rating's pretty good. Why'd they get rid of me? Yeah. And so it, it just, it, it's a... Uh, it's a money deal. Don't take I'm, it personally. Yeah, okay, good. I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> um, if a seller and buyer need to give up some money because of a lower appraisal, the realtors need to have skin in the game, too, by giving up some of their commission. What do you think about to, that? To make the deal close. Well, yeah. first of all, everything's um, negotiable, but I think you also look at the agent and say, hey, you got to give up some of your commission because you sold my house for 20000 over than what we listed it for. Uh, how much That's sense the does opposite. that make? It doesn't yeah. make any. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We made them. We made them more money in which to be able to do that. So I think that's up up between uh, different people and uh, what they want to do. But I think uh, you know if someone sells it for more or it doesn't appraise for that, that's I don't think that that was the realtor's problem. It's the market and it's whether or not you have to, you can finance it or not. Well, you know, I mean, if you, if have you cash, want to mad, we don't have to worry about it. If you want to get upset with anybody, you'd have to get upset with the buyer agent that wrote that offer for that price. And then you'd have to say, listen, next time you get into that situation, you should have your buyer's agent or buyer, you know, real estate agent actually go out there and perform a complete market analysis on the house and let them know that if they guess wrong, that you're going to ask them for a cut of a cut. Because real estate agents, you got to remember, they're opening doors, cutting deals, doing the what that they get paid for a lot of different things other than the actual end. But people make emotional decisions when they're Understood. buying and they, they come in and say, you know what? I want it. I really want that house and I'm going to pay more for it. And then all of a sudden the appraisal comes back and says, you know what? Yeah, you paid more for it and it can't appraise for that, so you got to come up with the other money. And it's kind of like, no, now we have to renegotiate. And sometimes it's like, I just, that just, that don't make sense to me. So it's right. kind of like, hey, if you don't think it's worth it, then don't bid that for it. Correct. Well, I, I agree. I, I just wanted to follow up what we brought up that example of that uh, uh, mom who called in whose daughter's trying to get a deal done and is $4,000 off. And Chris, you made the point. Hey, if we're going to bid this up and you really want this, do you have the dollars to get this deal done? That's got to happen a whole lot earlier than, oh, we bid it up and we don't have a way to get the deal done. Two ways to prevent that. Number one, you can write it into your contract that you can actually state that if anything that's over the actual list price, that the buyer agrees that they'll pay in cash if it doesn't appraise, up to a certain dollar amount, that the buyer would pay that. That's number one. Number two, you get into a situation where you have um, that where – on, on the actual front end that the uh, the actual buyer will come in and uh, – I kind of lost my train of thought there. The um, Go ahead, Chris. No, well, I was just – I, I was going to go a different route. A lot of people come in with uh, the contract and they put in there, hey, if the house doesn't appraise, FHA, it is the way yeah. it is, FHA and VA. If it doesn't appraise for that, the buyer has an out and be able to get out. Right. But if it's conventional and they come in and they say, hey, if – if this house doesn't appraise, the buyer can get out of it. I mean, immediately at that point, I mean, what that is is the other agent trying to say, hey, don't worry about it. You know, mm-hmm. we can renegotiate it. And you can't do that. Right, right. You need, you need to come in and come straight and say, right. hey, here's what happens. If you're going to go that route, because it's frustrating for a buyer to lose out. And they've planned on already moving in. Now all of a sudden the appraisal goes yep. up and they have no way of doing it. Right. You just hurt your buyer. 
Well, plus, yeah, I just came back with my second thought on that was the appraisal, getting it ordered earlier in the process and waiting until the day before or the week before closing, actually pulling that um, up into the, you know, maybe first or second week of the actual process of pending. All right, quick break. Uh, more with Chris and Andy in the Real Estate Show here on a Saturday, always on the air between 10 and 11 a.m. Denny Long's away. Steve Thompson sitting in. It is a real estate show Saturdays, 10 to 11, here on the CCO. Chris Rooney, Andy Prasky in studio. And we'll get that website out there before the end of the program. And, uh, guys, I know you have some texts that held over from last week yeah. and some things you wanted to get to. Yeah. Uh, but once again, a lot of great calls, a lot of great texts. Yeah, it really is. I, I love doing these kind. Um, I was going to say, if uh, you ever want to get a hold of Andy or I, it's andyandrooney.com. That we have our stuff on. I was going to let people know about because uh, there's four more uh, spots left on Thursday night. Andy, Andy will probably grab it, but uh, we're doing um, a chef night, and it's what it's. These guys teach us how to do some grill. You know those souvets? Yeah, Dar would be so proud of me. Those souvet. He's going to teach us how to do that, and then make some really cool appetizers. Just kind of uh, pair some wines with it and some craft beers, and it's going to be at a, a home that a client of ours remodeled. Uh, in Credit River, but there's four spots left. If someone mm. wants to to come, it's a kind of a, a intimate group. Uh, there's thirty some people, and uh, so sounds Thompson, You want to sign up? Yeah. It'll actually be fun. I I love to learn how to cook. I used to own a restaurant, and we had a chef there. And oh my god, just the simple little techniques yeah. that they do. And like turning fantastic. on the grill and. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can, ha- my pro- wife does that. Your whole restaurant was microwavable. <laughs> hey, I was good. Yeah. Oh, the, uh, we got propane. Having right. burgers. <laughs> uh, Andy's building a pretty cool grill area. Maybe he'll have us I out know, when that's I'm kind done. of impressed. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, for sure. We'll uh, we'll make a mess. <laughs> Andy's actually pretty talented. He got a new garage floor too. I did. And he's trying to get me to get. That I, you know, you know how you go through and you live in the house, and then you you get to that point of where you're like, okay, enough is enough. I want to get on top of some of these projects, and I I made a list for myself at the beginning of summer, put timelines on stuff. And I'm just knocking them out one by one. And and the scary one though next is uh, in the front of our house. We have we have Hardy on the front of our house, and we have uh, some shakes up on the top. And I've called and called. I cannot get anybody that wants to paint just my accent shakes. So I'm gonna have to. You're going up. I think so. Nice. I know you're we're gonna lay mattresses all cameras. over the yard. Get the camera. Get the cameras. Yeah. <laughs> Tie so, some balloons to me. We don't have much time left, do we? <laughs> yeah. It's, I'll it's probably have to. We have to move all these text questions. We had uh, eight of them all lined up from past shows, mm. but we apologize. We'll we'll, we'll catch them up. Let's hit a couple. We, of them. We'll How much time, time do we have, Jonathan? A couple of minutes here. Can we? Yeah, about, yeah about, we have two minutes. Okay, how about this one? Is it better to stage a vacant home or leave it vacant? My first my first question is, what price range? Yep. And I mean, at, at that price range, and then what else is in there? I've had m- million-dollar homes that mm-hmm. we've had unstaged that sell because they have so many things in there that um, almost look like furniture. Yeah. And sometimes when you stage, it, they can't see past that. Well, our houses that have open floor plans, I think we're that studio style living where we all want the big great room, kitchen, dining, whatever. Sometimes that's nice to have a little staging so you can see that everything fits nicely. Um, that's helpful. Or if you have a house that's a little custom or unique um, that you may need to explain, like, what is this area off the kitchen? Well, it's a sitting area. Well, you might want to throw a couple, you know, little uh, chairs out there with a table and so people understand what it's for. But more times than not, you want to stage versus keep it vacant. I would. And, uh, but not go crazy overboard. Yeah. I mean, you watch these TV shows sometimes, and they just kind of go a little overboard. You want to be able to um, complement the spaces, but make them not just think about, oh, boy, that's a wonderful couch. I love that right, couch. Well, right. the couch ain't coming with it. 
You should be looking at the fireplace. Right, right. Yeah. Or like your bobblehead collection room that you have in your house is awesome. Yeah. I think it's a really neat room. Yeah. He has a whole room shake, Steve, and the whole, everybody bobbles at you. That They're all of awesome. me. It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> all of you. <laughs> Different phases of my career. Yeah. This is after one sale. <laughs> this is me swinging a bat. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right, all guys. It all. It, it's been great. Good to see you. I'm glad it's been great Good for you, you too. with Andy. I don't know. Yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> You're awesome. Hey, we're northern guys. We get along. Uh, the Real Estate Show, Chris Rooney, Andy Praz. Key once again, andyandrooney.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.